This is the Simply Home Podcast, Ladies Who Build, a podcast for women by women. This is Ashley Wainscott and Michelle Mullins. After spending the last 10 years revolutionizing the construction industry and raising the bar of the contracting world, we are inviting you on our journey as we continuously learn how to be extraordinary and thrive in this industry. Now come hang with us. Welcome to episode three of Ladies Who Build. We are talking about the stages of growth. Part two. Part two. So we have four main quadrants to talk to you guys about. We have ops slash people. We have sales and marketing, financial and legal, and then project management. Those were the four buckets that we broke our company down into because, I mean, really, because that covers everything for us. And I think for most companies that covers, you know, the operations of a company, I think it's different depending on the business that you have. But we broke it down in that way because how we think of it is there's this scale that I have reflected on and thought back about where every time we made a business decision, it was in one of those four buckets. And then every time we focused on one of those buckets, the other buckets ended up you know, depleting a little bit and some would be on E and we'd have to go back and focus on the other buckets and be like, okay, well, now that we've solved our sales scripts, we need to hop over to financial and work on our pricing guide. Or now that we've solved our vendor onboarding process, now we need to hop over and focus on redoing the pricing guide. Right. And so it was like every time we started working on one thing, we would have to shift over and work on something else. Yeah. I mean, I think to, you know, it's, it's, you can't really break them down into what happened first, right? Because I think they're all kind of simultaneously happening as you build a company and as you start hiring people, right? So back in the day, you know, what was HR? We, we didn't obviously have an HR back in the day. And, you know, but as you grow, you realize that becomes more important, right? (laughs) I think, though, if we broke down sales and marketing a little bit, so our first hires were salespeople. Mm -hmm. We needed to get the name out. And so we felt that that was the most important thing was just kind of hit the ground running. And I don't know that we necessarily focused so much on marketing at the time. Like we knew we needed to market ourselves, but we also didn't have the budget to kind of go all out. I think Facebook was still so big then, you know, we would be hitting up Facebook and that, you know, it maybe worked. We don't really know. But a lot of what we did for marketing was just showing up. And so because we didn't have the budget for it, we just had to be the walking billboard, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense. And so I guess we, you know, kind of started out sponsoring luncheons and, you know, hosting. Hosting. I mean, just hosting. It was like, hosting anything. it's kind of like when you volunteer, you can either give time or money. Yeah. And we gave time. time. We didn't have money. So yeah. we gave time and it was Every day, all day, where could we be? Who could we be talking to? And we talked about a little bit about this in previous episodes, what our marketing was like. But, it, I mean, it, was, it wasn't a whole lot of anything. We tried to do social media. We've learned the difference over the years of what it's like to have a really good social media mm-hmm. company, which we do mm-hmm. have a really good one right now. But overall, we yes, yeah, sales and marketing were the initial focus. 
we had marketing people helping us with social media because that is not my thing. Mm-mm. I love that that is other people's things mm-hmm. and I envy them, but that's just not something I love to do. So yeah. I focused on sales. So it was like, who could we hire and then how it developed, right? Like sales and marketing, we had to learn how to build scripts and then we had to learn about you know things that what would close the deal what were appointments that we needed with the client what were we doing at those appointments what was the goal to accomplish and then Michelle and I thought about over the years how that department has changed yeah like so it first started with all of us were salespeople right and then we would come back and do the estimates so then we became estimators and then once the client approved it, then we became the project managers and, you know, quality control and all the things. And then we would, you know, but we didn't just have one project. We were each working on, you know, multiple projects, way too many, you know, probably 10 at a time, but they were make readies. And so they weren't obviously large scale remodels at the time. Not to I don't say know that if it was that easier. Makes it less stressful. No, it totally wasn't. Because they're so fast and quick moving that, mm-hmm. that if we were to do this again, I would... I would say when we, when I hired you and then when we hired the next two people in sales, then I should have been focused on other things. I shouldn't have been in sales, but that was my level of. Well, it's kind of all we knew. Comfort. You know, I should have been focused on other areas of the business and then same thing with you. Yeah. But instead we were all doing sales and project management and then, and then the other things kind of just, you know, that's what I was doing from 7 to 10 p.m. At night, I was like looking at financials or working with the bookkeeper or working on marketing, working on legal, I mean, doing whatever else, business growth, business development that I needed to do. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I think about how we kind of morphed into what was needed at the time. So like you focused on that and then I saw a need for more project management where, okay, we need someone to be the ringleader of all the vendors and paying them out and going over expectations with them. And it wasn't like you asked me to go into that. It was just, we just, that that was a need. And because it was just us and, you know, a few other people, it just kind of naturally, like, that's where I went. And for a very long time, sales was project management and the estimating. And then it, we realized, okay, we cannot as we scale, you realize you you just like physically can't do it all anymore. And then we were also seeing errors happen because a salesperson was project managing a man, you know, and vice versa, right? So I think that that shift started happening when we no longer could do it on our own. Errors were happening, mistakes were happening. We couldn't deliver on what we were promising anymore because it just became too much. And so then we decided to separate the two departments into sales and project management. And that was, like, a big deal at the time. I'm sure people listening are like, well, no, duh, right? Like, create a department. But it's a specialty. The role became more specialized. And we realized it takes a particular person to focus on sales. And it takes a particular person to focus on project management. And now when we talk about with our coach looking at their DISC and their values test, when we're hiring, you know, are they going to be a good salesperson? What do they value? What's their behaviors? And things like this, we realize that a salesperson is very, very different than a project manager. But at the time, it was like, yes, yeah, sure, you do that. You handle those clients, get them from point A to point Z, 
and walk them through the whole process. So then when we made that transition, our entire team was freaking out because Mm. they were salespeople that had always done it that way. And then all of a sudden they had to trust our project management team to take care of their clients and to get the project executed properly and, you know, and all the things that we promised. And that was an issue for a long time. Yeah. That just reminded me of such a good point our coach made a long time ago, our business coach. And she said, when you make big shifts like this in a company, you can expect that a lot of people will leave Mm -hmm. because that isn't how you hire them and they might not be on board with the vision and the change that you're going towards and that's okay right like we thought oh gosh we're losing people this is not good but in reality it's kind of part of the change you're like you're like de-shedding right so you shed off what you used to be and sometimes those were employees and unfortunately you know it it was what it was and that's fine but if they weren't in line with all of the big change you were that you were creating then naturally they're just going to go, they're going to do something else. But uh, so, you know, after each phase of growth, we brought on new people mm-hmm. that were in line that like believed in that new vision mm-hmm. that we were creating. Yeah. And I think that's something too we thought about over time of how how we've morphed from one role to another. So like a scheduling coordinator turned into a construction manager, right? Do I have that right? Yeah, because we created the scheduling coordinator role when we found out project managers. So project managers were doing all of their scheduling, but it became difficult because they had to be in the field mm-hmm. and then they had to go meet with clients. Then they had to go meet with vendors. So by the time they got back to their desk, I mean, it was like four o'clock, you know, in the afternoon. And so, so then what you're supposed to go call all these vendors and schedule all of the work for the next two weeks. Like that was intense. Okay, so we can jump into financial and legal, which is one of the other quadrants of our stages of growth. And I think one of the biggest factors to focus on there was our pricing guide and how that was so necessary going into, you know, as you go on more projects, it's really time consuming to get bids for every little thing. And eventually when you start getting the same bid, right, or the same work is being bid out, you start to understand, okay, it makes sense that you're charging me for this because I've seen that before. Whereas then you start identifying like, whoa, buddy, that is way too much. And that is not acceptable. That's not what we're going to pay you. But then we had to like document all that, Mm -hmm. right? We couldn't just remember it. But that's not our strong suits at all. So the spreadsheet that this pricing guide was a mess. I mean, it was a Mm. very, uh, it was a fugly Mm -hmm. looking spreadsheet. It got the job done, but it was really ugly. Mm-hmm. Memorizing that pricing guide, then we had to manually calculate, okay, well, there's this much flooring at this price per square foot at this markup, and that's what we're going to put on the invoice. But now... Wait, I actually... You're what? right. We all had to memorize these numbers. Yeah. Remember they were in our all of our heads. And then when we hired our first business consultant... I remember we weren't making the cash that we thought that we would be. And we were like, this doesn't make any sense. And I remember he sat down and we went through the financials and we probably spent a few hours doing it. And we were sitting at this long conference table. And I remember it was a glass conference room. And he was looking at the numbers. He's like, tell me how you put them together. And then he goes, wait, what did you just say? And I remember I repeated it, whatever it was. And he's like, well, no, markup and margin are two very different things. And I was like, 
go on. (laughs) (laughs) And then at that moment, I realized that our markup and margin were two different things. Therefore, we weren't making the margin we were expecting. And it was mind-blowing. Yeah. From that day forward, everything made sense. But up until that point, I could not figure it out. Which, which actually incredibly hilarious is that that didn't really happen until a couple of years into yes, the business yes. and so it's like what were we even doing for those couple of years like I think we thought we were making money and we're like we're doing well we're doing great and then and we were we were doing okay we were fine we were making money we were profitable yeah but we should we were like there something's wrong here <laughs> like two plus two doesn't equal negative one yeah. so what's wrong we're putting here a lot of input and then we're not getting a lot yes. of output here yes and that was so funny. And when I was reminiscing about this, <laughs> I had this hysterical story. And I remember when I was at Radio Coffee and Radio Coffee was just built. And I clarify this because of what's coming next. But I, Radio Coffee was just built. I was so excited because it was one of the few coffee shops in my neighborhood. And I could meet people outside of my home, not at my home. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there with the business consultant and he was talking to me and immediately looked down and I thought that he was staring at my chest and I was thinking, wow, bud, this is super uncomfortable and I can't believe that you'd really just be staring. And the whole time I was thinking like, what am I going to say to him? This is so pervy. And by the whole time, I mean like several, it was probably like 30 seconds. Yeah, it was like literally (laughs) a a glance down and you're like, oh my gosh, So then I look down and I see what I thought was a tarantula on on my (laughs) chest. And so I squealed like a squeaky little pig and I knocked that thing off my shoulder and I jumped up and ran. I mean, I don't even know where I ran. I just ran in circles, right? You're like, get this thing off of me. And he was hysterically laughing and I said, Mr. Blankety Blank, I almost said his name, but Mr. Blankety Blank, why didn't you tell me? And he said that he was too in shock. He's like, if I tell her she's going to scream, and I'm like, well, yeah, I did that anyways, right? <laughs> but anyways. It and was... that's how you understood margin and markup. <laughs> <laughs> because of the tarantula roly-poly. And here we are. <laughs> and the business is where it is all thanks yeah. to that day. <laughs> Thank God for that experience. You know, he was our first business coach, and we we really did learn a lot from him. I don't even know why you decided to hire him, but I guess that's like a either. different story for a different day. But uh, yeah, he like really helped us understand. Okay, this is your markup, and no matter what, you can't go below this markup because then you're not going to make you know money for the business, right? We couldn't grow. Now we have a pricing matrix that is very substantial. It's very robust. Lots of formulas. Everything auto-populates in a way. There's still a lot of manual entering as far as our estimator role. Like, Mm -hmm. they still have to go in and input all the information. But it is so detailed out. It takes in all the considerations, which is amazing because we are different in that we are a lump sum contractor, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into in another episode. But here in Texas, that is one of the things that contractors can do in order for clients not to pay sales taxes you lump sum everything together you don't separate materials from labor 
and it benefits us and it benefits clients in a lot of ways because it pushes us to thoroughly think through the scope and pricing ahead of time so that change orders to clients are really only the unforeseen and client requests. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people gravitate towards this anyways. And, and clients aren't informed about this because I remember back in the day, people would be like, oh, you don't do, what is it, plus? Cost plus. Cost plus. You know, and people be like, oh, you don't do cost plus or oh, you don't do this. And Michelle and I have always been different mm-hmm. in the way we approach things I feel like a lot about education and expectation setting, but because we're an established business, we don't have to like follow the norms as Mm -hmm. much. Now we can really push for what our vision is and and how, what aligns with our values and our integrity and what we want for clients, right? right? Because if we were a lump sum contractor 10 years ago, everyone would be like, cool, I've never heard of that. I've never heard of you, bye. Yeah. And I'll just have this guy do it. Right. Because you're a woman. Oh, that's next episode. (laughs) Because you're a woman. (laughs) That, stay tuned. Yeah. (laughs) We're very, we want to be different and we want to be different for a reason because we want to obviously sell you on what we can deliver in the project. But we, like that, we have that in the bag. Like we can deliver quality work time and time again. And you can also get that from other people, right? You can get quality work from other people, but you can't get the service that we offer like honestly bar none you're not going to get the service that we offer here wow you know look at you selling us yeah let me get back in sales yeah <laughs> come back to the dark side <laughs> well, uh-uh. so yeah I, you know those are our kind of like high level areas of growth um and stages i think last that we didn't really hit on was project management um, which is like its own beast in itself. Mm-hmm. But I think project management department, that's where we kind of did a lot of ship. Sales has always been sales, right? It's like you sell, you build out the estimate, it's approved, you pass it on. But project management was like, whoa, okay. There's so many facets to that. Mm-hmm. And we hired a lot of green people mm-hmm. in project management because that, I mean, to, truth be told, that was all we could afford back then I mean they were still paid well but they were greener in the industry and when I think back to those times I I mean I don't know that I would have overly enjoyed that role back then either but we didn't have we didn't have expectations built for project managers you know when we have we've always had that expectations guide but there was always the struggle of where to draw the line with clients right and what to say what not to say yes language wait do you remember the story when we had a project manager back in the day and okay this is how much we've like the expectations we've grown don't judge us for this for what michelle's about to say because i know exactly what you're about to say it's funny because it's been so long (laughs) now it's funny back then we were like hand on faith right but you yes uh, you know, you learn. You got it. This project manager always dressed very kind of like, like going to the beach style. California surfs up. Yeah. but And so with that look came sandals. And <laughs> he always wore sandals every day. I wore sandals. I mean, I was a project manager, so I always dressed like cute. And I always had sandals. Well, nice sandals, not flip-flops. Yeah. He wore flip-flops. Yeah, he wore flip-flops. And they didn't they? So this client was unhappy with something that was happening on his project and he called out our project manager on the site 
and said something like, how am I even supposed to trust you know what you're doing when you show up to a job site in sandals? And I, I remember he came back and told us that and I was dying <laughs> laughing. And I remember thinking that was the light bulb that hit off my head and we're like, oh, wait, no, duh. Like, <laughs> duh, you shouldn't be in sandals on a job site. Like, And it was just so funny because I totally saw what the client was saying in that moment. And I'm like, okay, hilarious <laughs> that this had to happen. And so then that was like, you know, you wear closed-toed shoes yeah, in the work we're like, yeah. You're saying sandal, I say flip-flop. It was a flip-flop. It's a chonk-flop. It smacked <laughs> your foot when you walk. Yes. That's when you know it's a flip-flop. You know. <laughs> but So you live and you learn. The pro- I mean, project management, though evolved so much from the scheduling coordinator right. to the construction manager to the two roles project manager and construction manager now we have teams and we have a north team and a south team that we realize the efficiency of that is game changing when you have eight projects in south austin why would you be wanting to drive to north austin to yeah, go check on we something did. we did is kind of well, we it was kind i of spent genius. literally like Four hours a day in the car. Yeah, we lived in our cars. Mm-hmm. It lived was, in my car. It was, they were a mess. Your mm-hmm. car was a mess. It was a mess. Yeah. I mean, because you would just throw, like, throw something over and drive. And yeah. There's throw like this paint over spilling and over. And I'm like, don't get it on my sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> that was our biggest concern. You should have just dipped it in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a, it's an au jus. jus. It was an au jus. Au jus sauce. Yeah, so those are forming quadrants, and I feel like that is, we really want to touch on those things because those are the areas in which we break our decisions down from a daily basis, whether or not we're thinking, okay, sales and marketing, do we focus on ops and people? It's just, that's how we think, and we just haven't titled it and labeled it before, but that's a great approach when you're thinking about how you're operating and what you're considering as far as next steps for growth in your business. Um, and how it affects each other stage. Like when we make this change in project management, how is that going to affect sales? Ooh, yes. Because proactive hiring instead of reactive hiring would oh. be like, but if we bring on a new salesperson, then we need to be proactively searching for a new project manager mm-hmm. because they'll start to get clients situated. I mean, our, our sales cycle is anywhere from 90 days to six months to a year, depending on the size of the project. But we're going to need a project manager on the other end for all the new sales we're going to get. And it's, yeah, so you're yeah. like hiring for capacity that you don't have yet, which is so scary. Yeah. Wow. We could totally go into another episode of that because how many times we hired and then we were like, yay, they brought in business. And then we didn't have enough project <laughs> managers to deal with the business. And we're like, um, oh, oh, now we have us. to rush to hire a project manager. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were temporary project managers mm-hmm. or temporary sales or what, whichever it, Oof, it's always going to yeah. be a little heavier on one side because you're planning for the growth. So take that for what you will. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. So we're going to wrap up. Yeah. So episode three wrap up, we hit some really high notes that we'll put as a summary in the episode. And next time we'll be talking about being women in the industry and what that looks like. Great. All right. Peace out. Thanks for listening. Subscribe and follow us so we can share our journey with other like-minded women. You can visit our show notes for affiliate links, transcript, and other resources on our podcast page. And if you want to see our stunning remodels, give us a follow on Instagram at Simply Home Austin. See you next time. Bye, y'all.